Jennifer, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm an elder here at the church. Um, I have the distinct privilege of speaking to you guys today. Um, Pastor Brian's been out the last couple weeks, and uh, I have to follow up Felix, uh, which is a tough act to follow. And thank you, Felix, for your blessed word last week. Appreciate it. Um, And we'll do our best to follow up on that. Uh, We are and have been working through 1 Corinthians uh, for the last several months. And here during Lakeview Summer of Love, we've been taking on specifically 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, going verse by verse, uh, just through the different characteristics of love. And I, I personally like it uh, when we dive into the details of, of specific topics, uh, the engineer being very precise, letting you know things down to the detail. So this is right up my alley, and I was pretty excited for this, this study. Um, first and foremost, uh, we're talking about love in the context of object, not of talking about love in the context of objective, sexual, or even friendship love, but of agape love, wholehearted, sacrificial love. And we're looking at it uh, in the realm and context of relationships. And this is also cool because we're working on one of the core values in the Bible. This whole book, from beginning to end, is a story of love and relationship between God and man. Uh, starting with this creation of man and woman with a specific purpose, through the fall, and then through relationships with men, women, couples, families, a nation, and finally a world as he redeemed and restored it. Uh, A love story between creator and created. And as we walk through this scripture, defining relationships is something that is repeatedly touched on throughout scripture. Um, Whether in direct relationships and covenants uh, between individuals and God, to God outlining the bounds of relationships uh, as he did with the Ten Commandments. And with his Ten Commandments, he defines not just our relationship with him, but also our relationship with others. And to bring it back full circle, uh, as it's defined in, in three of the four Gospels, Jesus is recording as saying the fulfillment of the law and the prophets is summed up by Love the Lord, your God, with all your strength, soul, heart, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if all relationships and commandments are fulfilled through love, and here we get a chance to really define and understand it, it's good that we're taking our time and taking the opportunity to dig in. Now, as God does with so many things, he not only tells us what it is, but what it is not. And that's the case we find ourselves today. Today, uh, Lakeview Summer of Love, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 5, Anger and Resentment. So our half verse, and uh, I'll read it in English Standard and um, NIV, um, because I find that that they help me define where we're going today. Uh, For ESV, love is not irritable or resentful. And NIV... Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And what we're being guided on by Paul here is in this verse is both sides of anger. Now looking at how it gets started and then how it ends. And then how this is intricately intertwined in our ability to love. Reading through the Bible, there are many times when God gets angry. Uh, so we know that... Oh, I got off. Here. So we know that 
Um, anger in its, of itself is not bad. In Mark 3, specifically, when Jesus uh, was questioned about healing uh, a sick man on the Sabbath, it said he looked around at them in anger and grieved, or he's sad, at their hardness of heart. We see a balance from Jesus of anger and compassion. So anger is not bad, it's just dangerous unchecked. And we're made in God's image, and in so being, we have a desire to have justice. Um, and seeing or experiencing injustice causes us anger. But our imperfect, imperfect ideas of justice, um, what it is and what it should be, can affect our ability to adequately apply anger and compassion in the right measures. And that's especially true when we apply those transgressions that happen against ourselves. Uh, the Apostle James echoes this sentiment regarding angering uh, in James 1, uh, verses 19 and 20. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I'll say that again. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What does the anger of man cause? Well, Proverbs provides us some additional insight into that. Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 15.18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 27.4 says, Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? And Proverbs 29, verse 22 says, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Rolling these together, easily angered equals slow to hear, quick to speak, poor judgment, strife, feelings of overwhelmment, and much transgression. I don't know for you guys if any of these vaguely familiar traits uh, apply to the last time, you know, you were easily angered, maybe in the past week, uh, that heated conversation with that person out there that thinks opposite you, your coworker, neighbor, wife, child, or parent, uh, maybe that person who cut you off on the way to church this morning. <laughs> a more recent example, um, over the past few years for, for me, I've been pulled into hiking, and as such, and as such, pulled into running to keep my legs in shape. I'm very spry now. Eh? Um, and neither of which I'm most passionate about. Um, I think it's, it's pretty well known for those of you that know me. Uh, I don't usually run races. I think uh, anything over f uh, 5K should be driven. But this spring, there was a night trail run 5K. So we combined hiking on trails and running, and it was at night, which was a real win for me. I, but my wife and son w were running, and it was a chance to do something together as a family and, and, and have a good time together. Uh, the race started, and I started out at a really good pace. I was feeling good. It was a good, good start. Um, lamp on my head, covered in glow sticks, the whole works. We were, we were, we were flying. Um, and as I'm running, I'm still feeling pretty good, and I catch up to him past my wife. Now, for those who may not know my wife, she runs more than me, she runs farther than me, she typically runs faster than me, 
And so this is like Haley's Comet. Like this is a once in every seven year experience where I'd catch her and pass her. And I start to put away. And I am putting distance. I mean, I am trucking. You know, I'm like, you know, the breathing's going, everything's working. Um, and I'm starting to think of kind of like cute comments I can make when she crosses the finish line. So I'm like in my headspace, I'm like in a really good place. And, you know, at this point in the race, we're in towards the very to tail end, and the runners are few and far between, and I can't see anybody ahead of me. So now I have to use the guidings on the, on the, on the trail. And I see this arrow, and the arrow points, and I follow the arrow, and it's pointing another direction. As I turn and follow and running, I run past several runners, including my wife, going the other direction. And I get to the next checkpoint, and they say, you, you, you made a wrong turn. And so now I have to run back, running as hard as I can, but I'm, I'm beaten by my wife. And that paradigm shift crushed me. And... All my comments were moot. I had so many good ones. And I, I couldn't let that go. It made me angry, and I stood there, steamed frustrated, didn't want to talk to interact with everybody. Um, I just wanted to go home, and it isolated me, and it kept me ultimately from doing the thing I, I actually went there to do, which was spend time with my family and friends and, and hang out. Um, and, and so I wasn't able to share love in that situation because I let my ability to get angry so fast get to me. And that's just one of many times I've let my anger get the better of me. Uh, for me, I usually end up apologizing for not hearing uh, or being rash to judgment, many of the things that were called out in the Proverbs, sometimes for saying or doing something I wish I hadn't. Uh, not sure if any of you have been there, but I am. I mean, I've been married for 25 years, and I have three kids. If you are that, you're going to cross that threshold at some point in time. Um, and in the heat of those moments, I focused on myself, on my injustice, and my ability to love was clouded. And that's what Paul is instructing and warning us on, because hasty anger clouds and influences our ability to love. It turns our focus inward and not outward. I was focused on my injustice, my pain, my anger, and as a result, wasn't looking outward. And on the flip side of these verses, these ones that we read through in, in, in Proverbs, we see what slow to anger, or what we read in Corinthians, love is. Love is having understanding. Love quiets contention. Love listens. Love is a peacemaker. Love focuses outward. And now we can move on to the, to the second part of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, uh, 5 where we're talking about that love keeps no record of wrongs. It's not resentful. And now with this side of the angry spectrum, we're looking at the challenges of how we move on from it. We've gotten angry. How do we move on from it? Because, again, it's dangerous to hold on to your anger. Ephesians 4, uh, verses 26 and 27 tells us, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Holding on to your anger gives the devil a foothold. And, and here's kind of an analogy of, of, of how, how I can see it work. There's a tribe in South India, and, and they hunt monkeys. And the way they do it is, is particular, particular. They take a coconut, and they make a small hole in it. And they lash the coconut to a tree. And then they put rice in the coconut hole, and then they go off and wait. 
And the monkey comes along. It sticks his hand into the hole, grabs a handful of rice, and when it pulls it out, it can't get its hand through the hole with the rice gripped. And believe it or not, the monkey refuses to let go. The hunter walks up, and the monkey goes to its demise. Now that's how holding on to anger works, works with us. We come across a situation in our lives. We grab onto that injustice, that anger, and we hold on to it, and it keeps us stuck. Stuck in our anger, unable to move forward, unable to grow, unable to focus on anything other than us and the injustice that's happened. And since we're unable to see others, unable to love. Why is the simple act of letting something go for our benefit so hard? Have you ever refused to let something go? Pushed away love and advice from friends and loved ones? Pulled back from everyone and sat in that anger? Again, guilty as charged. I'll give you kind of a ridiculous example, but bear with me. We're all works in progress here. No judgment. I am a pretty big Star Wars fan. Um, so don't like to run... Don't like to hike, like to watch movies, like Star Wars. You're getting a lot of me today. Um, I even have several of the original circa 1970s 8-inch Star Wars figures in our TV room, uh, prominently displayed on a shelf, which my wife, by the way, loves. She's, she just thinks it's the greatest thing. Um, so I'm big into Star Wars. Uh, flashback to 2017, and up to that point, I'd actually gone to see every single one of the Star Wars trilogy movies in the movie theater. So starting like in 77, 78, when the first one came out, went with my aunt, and we just went to every one. And, uh, you know, at that point, I I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Luke Skywalker in the movies again. Uh, you only caught a glimpse of him at the end of The Force Awakens when they rebooted the series in 2015, and it kind of re-energized Star Wars fans. It really re-energized me. And I've been waiting to see Luke Skywalker as this, this powerful Jedi. And uh, so I, I go. And uh, let's just say the movie on a whole went in a very different direction. And they made his character into like a grumpy old man. Needless to say, and I went with my whole family this time. This was now I was sharing it with my kids. But needless to say, dad in the car was very vocal. Dad was very, car, actually, very vocal when we left the movie theater, on the ride home, at church on the following Sunday. Um, in my ranting on, on my feelings, it got to the point where my wife and kids would just slowly walk away when Dad would start to, you know. Um, you know, and, and, and for, you know, for the most part, that, that was it. Um, I still haven't seen... The Rise of Skywalker, the next movie that came out. Um, and I'm still prone to saying, hashtag not my Luke Skywalker when we talk about the most recent Star Wars movies. So I'm still working on it. I'm actually even a little tense now talking about it. It's, it's taken me years uh, uh, and Disney Plus to help uh, uh, let me get go of my Star Wars anger in this perceived injustice uh, and get back on my love of all things Star Wars. But I'm getting there. But But that's... While this is a weird example of a very quirky man, um, the components are same for, for more serious times when we hold on to anger, uh, perceived injustice, uh, strong feelings of anger, 
The false feeling of power and control in how we respond to the situation. The staying stuck on it, changing our focus to ourselves and not others, and pushing people away. And when we push people and God away, again, there's nobody for us to love on. We're stuck. And that's where we're vulnerable to temptation. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't be so trapped in your anger that you lose the ability to love others. As Paul instructs in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. There's a saying, bitter or better, you can't be both. God wants us to be better, to be free. And when you look back at that verse, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, be put away from you because you've been focusing on that. Put it away and be kind to one another. Focus outward. Be tenderhearted. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. And in that verse, God gives us the path to that freedom and healing, forgiveness. And that freedom that comes through forgiveness, it, it comes through giving it to him. Now, a caveat here, because when we talk about forgiveness and letting go um, come around, I like to clarify that. That doesn't mean there aren't consequences. And that doesn't mean that um, relationship boundaries don't change. That doesn't mean that priorities don't change. Um, that doesn't mean that life choices don't change. But forgiveness in and of itself releases ourselves from being bound to that situation, that incident, that wrong, and allows us the ability to move forward, allows the ability for restoration, and frees us from the focus on self to allow us to focus again more outwardly and love on each other. Love is kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Again, outward-focused. It trusts in God to handle the justice part of the issue because we're not good at it. So we sit with this, and some of you are probably thinking, yeah, I want to love better. But you're also thinking, I, I can't do that. You know, either like me, I'm a hothead, and I always have been. Um, or there's something or somebody or a situation that I just can't move on from. I can't forgive. Uh, and, and you're right in that we can't do it of our own strength. But we're not alone in it. We have a Savior in Christ Jesus who as our Lord and friend came down from heaven and went through this world. He experienced situations of being mocked, being betrayed, being falsely accused, to the point of being wrongly sentenced to death on a cross. And even while being crucified, asking, he asked the Father to forgive, saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Showing us, the, uh, showing us an example of love when he rightly could have gotten angry for what was done and what was being done to him. It was unjust, rightly unjust. Anger and judgment that could have been held against us in the world. But Jesus showed his love for us in that situation instead. Because Jesus is not easily angered. And Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. He went to the cross to wipe that record of wrongs away. To remove all wrongs that could separate us from a loving relationship with him and the Father. And we are all forgiven for that. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And this is the path to be able to move forward in, in all areas, but especially areas of anger. And becoming more slow to anger, being able to forgive and let go. Yoke yourself to Jesus, who embodied love. Spend time in his word. Learn from him. Learn how to completely self-sacrificially love from the master of love. There's a Max Lucado's children's story. He had a series that came out, and they were really great at um, just bringing you to God. They were children's stories. I was reading them to the kids because I wanted to read them. Um, this one was called You Are Special. It's a story of uh, this, this, this carved doll, Punchinello, in a world of, of dolls called Wemex. And they spent every day handing out stars to each other for good things or dots for doing bad things. Um, Punchinello was one of the dolls who, who would wind up at the end of the day covered in dots because he couldn't do anything right. And sometimes that's how we feel with anger. One day he met a doll that had neither stars or dots. None of them stuck. When he asked her why, she told him that stars and dots only stick if you let them, if they matter to you. Then she asked him to come see the master, the woodcarver, to see and learn more. When Punchinello went to see him in the workshop, the woodcarver told him he was special because he created him and that he loved him and asked that he just come spend time with him. And as Punchinello left the woodshop, in his heart he started to believe him and the dots started to fall off. And that's how the opportunity is here with anger. We can go and spend time with him. Know and be reassured that he loves you, has a purpose for you. And, you know, let those dots of, of trespasses against us fall off as we allow Jesus to shape our direction, our worth, and our worldview. You know, shape what is important. Where do I put my time, my talents, my treasures, and what I do with my heart? how I love my neighbor. So in addition to spending time with God in your vertical relationship, I encourage you to also extend your horizontal relationships by finding a life group, a men's group, a women's group, grab a couple trusted friends in the congregation. By having those around us who we can trust to speak into our lives and point us back to him and speak into our lives when times get tough and we get angry or bitter because we weren't meant to do this alone. And not just for the bad times, but also for the good times. They can rejoice with us when we do forgive. They can rejoice with us when we do uh, take those positive steps and help us to love and empower each other in our giftings. And prior to talking about this chapter on love, Paul was talking about a chapter about spiritual gifts, that we've all been gifted to strengthen the body. And the reason that we delved into love is because without it, we, don't, we aren't able to use those spiritual gifts. We aren't able to come together as a body. So it's important uh, in that our ability to love and support each other as a part of the body becomes us Christ being, being Christ's body and advancing the kingdom. So closing, I challenge all of us in love to be slow to anger, 
and not to be resentful. Let us pray.